I've always liked superheroes, you know, kind of, kind of superhero stories and superhero movies. I've always just enjoyed that kind of stuff. One of the first movies I ever went to, I remember as a little boy, one of the Christopher Reeves superhero movies, Superman movies. I've just always, I've always loved, just always loved superheroes. It's been, a, I, I never really been a, never really was a comic book fan, but I've always enjoyed the movies and enjoyed the stories. It's just always been something that I've always liked. And now, of course, you go back and look at a lot of them, like, okay, Batman. Batman's kind of always been my favorite. I was threatening with Tim to do the entire sermon in my Batman voice. But if I'd have done this in early, I would have no voice now, which Tim thought was a good thing. Um, but if you look at a lot of the superheroes, read more recently, we've got Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy and Justice League. And you see them all kind of coming together. But for a lot of them, you see it was always that one person. You know, Batman worked alone except for Robin. You know, Superman was his own person. And they were always kind of one character kind of kind of standing up against evil. One person standing between the bad guy and the victory. That one solitary figure, that was the hero of the story. You think, you, you, you think back to not a superhero, but the Lone Ranger. And the Lone Ranger and Tonto. It was just them. Just them against the bad guys. And there they were. They were going to make sure justice prevailed. They were going to make sure that good won. They were solitary figures that were going to stand against evil, stand for right, make sure that right won. So one person that was standing against all that was wrong, that one solitary figure. We see that narrative written not just within our superhero stuff, but we see it even in world history. I think back to General Eisenhower in World War II with the D-Day invasion. General Eisenhower had actually written a letter of resignation that he was prepared to submit in case the D-Day invasion had failed. He was going to take all the ownership for the blame if the invasion had not been successful. He was going to do it himself. He was going to be that single, solitary leader. And that's, that's something we see a lot in culture, in stories, in movies, that one person standing between good and evil. We kind of see in the Old Testament that same understanding with the Holy Spirit. We kind of see that same thing in the Old Testament with the Holy Spirit. What you see in the Old Testament, what you see in the Old Testament is you see this. All throughout the Old Testament, you'll see it with the prophets. You'll see it with Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel. See it with Moses. The the word will say, the Spirit of the Lord came upon so-and-so. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Amos. And he said, the spirit of the Lord came upon this, upon Jeremiah. And he said, you see one individual person standing up, the spirit falling upon them and them speaking, them prophesying, them speaking the word of the Lord. We see it. We see it kind of today in the story we read, but a little bit differently. We see, we see Moses taking these 70 elders into the, to the, to the meeting place. It says the spirit of the Lord fell upon them and they began to prophesy. Now it's interesting. You need to hear this. In the Bible, 
We think of prophesying, we think of prophecy as future telling. But that's not so in Scripture. In Scripture, to prophesy is not an exclusive thing of telling the future. The prophet was not one that was kind of a fortune teller telling the future. The prophet was one that was speaking the word of the Lord. Go back and look at the actual words of the prophets in the Old Testament. Quite often, their main prophecy, they're speaking against Israel in Israel's idolatry. They're speaking against Israel in Israel's injustice. They're speaking the word of the Lord against the people of God and their sin. The prophet is not just one concerned with future telling, but the prophet is one that will speak the word that the Lord has placed upon them at that moment. They are speaking for God. So the spirit falls upon Amos and he says, hey, y'all, let me tell you what God says. That's what the prophet did. That's what the spirit did. The spirit would fall upon individuals. I'm not a not a hunter. I'm not against eating what you hunt. I will gladly eat whatever you kill and share with me. And my hunt, my problem with hunting is not so much that it's against it. I, just from what I know of hunting, I think I've told you before, hunting requires a lot of being still and not talking. And I don't do those things well. I have friends of mine that always said, we got shoot houses where you can, you can sit there and watch cable and all this. Like, well, if I could do, I could do that in my own house. I'm a diva. I'll stay at home. I'm, I'm not doing all that. But I, so I, I am by no means a hunting expert. That's what I do now. Remember this growing up. I know the difference between a rifle shot and a buckshot. Know that. The Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was a rifle shot. It went upon one person. In the Old Testament, it said the Spirit of the Lord came upon Hosea. Boom. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Amos. Boom. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jeremiah. Boom. One individual the Spirit landed upon. But as you read in Acts today, and as we see a precursor in Numbers today, something happened on Pentecost Sunday. The Lord ascended on Ascension Day, and there they are gathered together in their one accord, and the Spirit falls. But what happened is the Spirit was like a buckshot. It was flung wide open Everywhere, everywhere, the Spirit just pierced all the earth, went everywhere in the world. And now the Spirit is across all the world in the world, in provenient grace in all the places the Spirit was flung wide open. At Pentecost, the transition was from the Spirit falling upon an individual to the Spirit falling upon us all. And we see it. I love Moses. Moses was one of those prophets. And we see in Moses, we see the spirit fall. And they weren't used to what happened. We see these 70 individuals begin to prophesy. And then we see two, even after that, prophesy. And Joshua comes to Moses and Moses, Moses, they're prophesying. Make them stop. That's your job. You're the one that's got the spirit. You're the leader. You're the prophet. You're the one the spirit falls upon. You. 
But do you see what Moses said? Would that all the Lord's people be prophets. Would that all the Lord's people had the Spirit. Would that the Spirit be flung wide open for all the world to know. You don't need me. I hope I'm helpful to your faith. I hope I'm a good pastor to you. But you don't need me. Scripture says that no one can come to the Father but through the Son. And that you cannot come to the Father apart from the Spirit placing that in you. If you believe in Jesus Christ... If you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the Spirit of God within you. Scripture is very clear. You cannot confess Christ as Lord apart from the Spirit within you. So if you have confessed Christ as Lord, you truly meant that. You have within you the Holy Spirit of God. That means you have access to the Father. You don't have to go through me to have access to the Father. You don't have to have me do anything for you for you to have access to to the Father. You have as much access to to God the Father as I do, as any clergy person does, as anybody in the world does. You can boldly, through the Spirit, you can boldly approach the throne of grace. You. You have access to the Father. The Spirit has been flung wide open for you, and you can have it, you can know it, you can receive it, you can be empowered by it, you can live through it. If you've confessed Christ as Lord, you have the Spirit. It's funny. We often, as Methodists, get accused of not really talking about the Spirit much, the Holy Spirit much. I had a, the seminary I got my master's at was, um, was uh, in Memphis, Memphis Theological. It was a very ecumenical seminary. It was a fun time. Uh, there were over, over 30 denominations on campus. So two of my best friends, one was a, was a Baptist, and one was a member of the Church of God in Christ. I don't know if you're familiar with the Church of God in Christ. It's an African-American Pentecostal denomination. And he was, he was just fascinated by the way we Methodists did church. Uh, he just, just couldn't quite get it. And um, our last semester, you had to lead a worship service in the tradition of your church. So I led a traditional United Methodist service. And, and so we had to lead it for the class, the class to participate so we could all learn from it. So when I led my, my service, he just couldn't get over the bulletin. He said, Andy, what would you do if the Holy Spirit led you to do something that wasn't the bulletin? I said, first off, the Holy Spirit's not going to do that. <laughs> so secondly... If he was going to do that, he let me know by Thursday so I could put the bulletin. He said, Andy, what would you do one Sunday if somebody in your church stood up and yelled, hey, man. I said, I'd look at him and go, shh, we're in church. <laughs> so we Methodists often get a tough time about the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. You ever heard me or heard one of your pastors? We talk about Grace. You ever heard the word grace in the Methodist church before? Let me ask a question. How do you think you get grace? How do you think God gives you grace? 
The answer to that question is the Holy Spirit. Anytime you've ever heard your pastor speak of grace, you have heard your pastor speak of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We are a grace-filled people. We are a spirit-filled people. The Holy Spirit has been flung wide open for me and for you. So we have, through the Spirit, we now have access to the Father. You don't have to go through anyone to, to know God or to feel God or to walk with God. But it isn't just that. Through the Spirit, we have the power to help change others' lives. See, it's the Spirit that empowers us to be faithful. It's the Spirit that empowers us to, to, to witness, to give witness to our faith with our life, with our actions. It's our Spirit that gives us courage and strength to be able to be faithful. It's the Spirit that allows us to stand when our legs are wobbly. It's the Spirit that allows us to have strength that we don't know where to come from. It's the Spirit that gives us that peace that passes all understanding. It's the Spirit that when we look back and say, how did I do that? How did I make it through that? How did I live through that? The answer to that question is the Holy Spirit. If you ever had strength you didn't know about, that was the Spirit of God. If you ever had courage rise up from your belly and you do something that you couldn't normally do, that's the Holy Spirit. If you ever had the right word at the right time for the right person, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God working through you. Because of Pentecost Sunday, because of the Spirit being flung wide open, we all have the Spirit within us. If you've confessed Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, empowering you to be faithful and changing you, sanctifying you, making you holy. And likewise, that same Spirit through you is the same Spirit that impacts others. You ever felt the nudge on your heart? Say, you need, you need to talk to somebody. You ever had the Lord put a name on your heart? Give a little bit of. Every time the Lord, my wife, puts a name on my heart, I typically call that person or email them or text them and say, hey, how you doing? You thought, I just thought of you. When, say, how you doing? And more often than I can think, the Lord has something's happened in that person's life. The Lord placed their, heart, their name upon my heart. I prayed for them. Something was going on. And they needed a friendly person to talk to. Through the Holy Spirit, the Lord gives us access to himself. Through the Holy Spirit, the Lord changes us. The Lord changes others. But here's the thing for the church, y'all. We got to stop being lone rangers. We got to stop trying to be superheroes. We don't have to, and we cannot do it by ourselves. 
No one individual can change the world. No one individual can do everything by themselves. We need each other. This is the day that God gave us the church. We need each other. We need each other's support. We need each other's care. We need each other's encouragement. Sometimes we need each other to give us a little kick in the tail. Sometimes we need these things. We need each other. We cannot live this life as lone rangers. We cannot live this life as single rifle shots. We need the body. We need the community. We need each other. And the church needs you. The church needs your gifts. The church needs your graces. The church needs your abilities. Imagine what would happen, y'all. Imagine what would happen if everybody in this church invited one person to church next Sunday. We couldn't fit everybody here, could we? What's stopping us? Imagine what would happen if every one of us said one kind word to one person next week. Imagine the effect you could have. Imagine what would happen if you were receptive to the Spirit and you gave witness to your story of God's grace in your life. We laid it upon your heart. Imagine what could, what could happen. We can't be lone rangers. It's not us against the world. It's the body of Christ standing strong and the gates of hell will not triumph against it. It takes all of us. It takes all of us because all of us have been given the Spirit. Today, as the people of God, it takes us all. May we be faithful. May we live in the power of the Spirit. Let us pray.